0: Well, Good morning. Good to be here. Good to uh, have the opportunity to uh, worship this morning. Let's, uh, let's read from God's Word. We're going to uh, read, first of all, from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. This is a, uh, uh, an important uh, Advent text, and it's been noted that this is Advent this morning. And then we're going to read from Mark, chapter 1. But first, Isaiah 40, Isaiah 41 through 11. Listen closely, this is God's word for us today. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries out, a voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all human faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And then turning over to the Gospel of Mark, in the New Testament, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you so much, God, for your powerful and precious word. Speak to us through it. Encourage us, challenge us, grow us. May we become the people you call us to be and we give you praise and honor and glory today. Holy One, in your name, Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Well, welcome. No, really, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to church. Welcome to this place where God is active. Welcome to a place where the body of Christ has gathered and where people are growing in their faith. Welcome to hope. Welcome to love. Welcome to the presence of God, which is promised where two or more are gathered in his presence. Welcome. Welcome. It's so much fun to welcome people to something that you are enjoying. If you... If you appreciate something or you really love it, it's then welcoming other people into it is yes, that is a truly fun thing to do. I just had the privilege of um, welcoming some folks at uh, Pastor Kristen's uh, family gathering for Thanksgiving. It's sort of like the family extravaganza. It's like the family overload. It's. Eighty-eight people getting together in one house and having Thanksgiving dinner. It was crazy. It was crazy. But I had the fun, the joy, of the accidental joy of having set myself down in the breezeway, trying to sort of get out of the way, and that happened to be the door where everybody was coming in. And so every few minutes, I got to say, hey, welcome, welcome. Welcome you who I see every year. Yeah. Good. Good. Welcome you who I haven't seen in like 20 years. Wow, you're still alive. That's good. That's good. Welcome you who uh who are you? Oh, you got dragged in here by somebody's second cousin. You're the boyfriend. Okay, great. Welcome. Welcome. I, there's just so many people at that event, and um, it's kind of her giant uh, family reunion. It's, it's fun to welcome people into a place where there's good food, and I know because my son Will and I made all the potatoes, and there was enough, and just think about that. It was fun. Um, <clears throat> Church is a place where people are welcome as well. I, I often hear people say... Um, you know church is a place where people get condemned. Church is a place where you show up and people tell you all the things that are wrong with you. no, 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 church is a place where everyone is welcome now here 's the challenge when you come into the presence of the living God, you do become aware of your own failings, your own uh, brokenness and and you recognize wow i 'm not worthy to be in god 's presence and God says, I love you just the way you are, but I love you so much I won't let you stay the way you are. And he begins to work on us, and that's where people sometimes get uncomfortable because we would like to come and be welcomed and say, have, hear God say, I love you just the way you are, and you don't have to do anything at all. Just revel in who you are. You get to make all the rules, but then who really is God at that point? We become our own little gods if we get to make all the rules. So church is a place which welcomes all people. Every single one of us is broken. Every single one of us has places in our lives where God welcomes us in in that state and says, I can transform you. I will transform you. I've been, some of us can say, I've been being transformed by God For years and he's not done with me yet. Maybe there's some sitting here today who say, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you have an opportunity today to begin to learn that. Welcome. Welcome, friends. Advent is a time of welcoming as well. It's the time when we begin the process again of welcoming the coming of Jesus Christ into this world. You might say, come on, you know, I mean, we do this every year. Every year we welcome Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Because frankly, if you're anything like me, you always kind of need a boost, right? Because you kind of get stale and then you need a boost. And then you need to know, whoa, God is still here. And this is a good moment to renew that welcome. This is a good moment to say, God, all right, I'm listening to you. And so Advent comes around. This is the beginning of the Christian year. And I love this because it doesn't start with a big bang like Christmas Day or New Year's Day. It starts in quietness. It starts, one author says, Advent always starts in the dark. It's like when you get up before sunlight. This is what most of us do now this time of year. You wake up early and you say, the sun is not up yet. And yet you still get up. Why? Because you have the hope of the day, which is before you. You know that there's going to be light. And so you drag yourself out of bed. Some of you willingly drag yourself. You're excited to be in in the morning. I'll I'll pray for you, for those folks who have that feeling. Um, But some of us drag ourselves out of bed. But we do it with the sense of... That there is light coming. And that's the way Advent is. It starts in the dark. But the arrival of the light will be the scattering of that darkness. Isn't it awesome how every single day when the sun comes up, the light scatters the darkness. And the darkness flees away. And we see once again anew and afresh this beautiful world that God has placed us in. We call Jesus the light of the world. It's fun to see things start. Advent means coming or arrival. Uh, it's been so much fun to be in this church in the last year and a half or so. There have been so many babies born into this church, and it's so much fun to say a new Advent, a new arrival. People look forward to it with anticipation and joy. I'm, looking, I'm seeing them right here. This is awesome. This is great. It's, it's a new life, a new beginning. That's what... Jesus offers to us. That's what Advent is all about, starting over. Well, you may have said to yourself, well, I think I already started the Christmas season, Pastor Bill. I went out on Black Friday and I made lots of purchases. And to you, I say, okay, that's good. I'm not really a Black Friday kind of guy, but I have no problem with it. In fact, this year, I, I usually say, "Well, but I've never purchased anything on, on Thanksgiving Day, I don't want to do that, but guess what? The TV broke on Wednesday night. That's right, and so my brother-in-law and my, my father-in-law went out at 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving night, because we were all in football withdrawal at that point, we are like, we need to know what's going on, and... Uh, they purchased a television, they got a good deal, but when they came back, they just had like a look of shock on their face. It was just like they'd been stunned. And we said, What happened? Well, it was Black Friday. I mean, there were a lot of people there, and it was, uh, it was exciting. It seems sometimes we do that, or we go out, maybe your family's already gone out and got a Christmas tree. Those are wonderful things to do. That's, in a sense, a start of our holiday season. But really, I want to say, the real start is in the darkness. In the darkness, waiting, anticipating the coming again of Christ. Christmas really starts with Advent. And that darkness is not always just a lack of light. Sometimes it's the darkness which is still in our lives waiting for hope to arrive. And that might be for you a new idea never really experienced before or it might be an idea that you've experienced many times but you need that hope of renewal again. Well, in, into this welcoming moment, this Advent moment, comes Jesus who is the promise. Jesus is the promise who was promised long ago, 500 years before Jesus was born. The prophet Isaiah said those things which we read earlier, comforting things. Comfort is coming. Sin will be paid for. The rugged and rough way of life will be smoothed out. It will be easier to handle. God's glory will be revealed. God himself will show up In power. And Isaiah writes, lift up your voice with a shout. Here is your God. I love the fact that God says, I'm sending a Messiah. And they all think, okay, it's going to be, you know, some person. And we're going to get it. But what God sneaks in is himself. He sends himself. Here is your God. I don't think they really took those words Literally, but that's what God did. Jesus shows up in the flesh. And he is like a shepherd who gathers the scattered flock, who takes, I love this, who takes the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart, just like a baby who gently leads the older sheep who have the young. He brings with himself the reward to his people. Well, all of this, according to Isaiah, is supposed to be announced by a messenger. And it is. It's announced by a guy called John the Baptist. And this is important because important people back then were always announced. We still even do this now when the president walks in to give the State of the Union. The guy on the floor says, Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. And everyone stands up and the President walks in. That's an important announcement moment. Now, if you're an important person and you have an important announcer, you usually want that person to be kind of spiffed up, right? You want them to look good. I mean, you're important. And so the announcer should be important as well. And yet Jesus sends, John the Baptist. This guy never cut his hair. Ever. Think about that. Ever. He had a a lifelong Nazarite vow which meant that he was supposed to never drink wine or even eat grapes and he was never supposed to cut his hair. And so this wild guy is out in the Judean wilderness a good 15 miles down the hill towards the Jordan River and he's telling people Come on out and hear my message. And people are coming out like crazy. And as soon as they get to them, he's not saying, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. No, he's saying, repent. Repent of your sins. Nobody gave this guy a marketing lesson. Nobody ever told him, you know, don't talk about the negative. Talk about the positive. No, he just gives it to them, both barrels. Repent of your sin. Wow. Wow. And be baptized for forgiveness of sins and receive the new life that comes because there's one who's coming after me who I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And I can baptize you with water, and it's a baptism of repentance and a baptism of, of being purified before the Lord, but he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit a powerful, powerful baptism. He announces the coming of the Messiah, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Well, Jesus showed up all right, and it was different than what anybody expected. That's Jesus who was promised the promise of the past. But Jesus is also the promise of the future. You might have noticed when I was reading some of those lines from Isaiah that some of those prophecies haven't come true yet. It is not yet true that everything in this world is smooth and easy and right. It is not true yet that everyone is comforted and that the low have been raised up and the high have been brought down. It is not yet true. And in fact, later in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 13, Jesus is spoken of as his, his uh deities. Risen, uh, he's he's going to uh, die and rise again, and and he's saying, I'm going to be coming again. I'm going to be coming a second time, a second advent in the future. And this is what it's going to be like. He says, at that time, people will see the Son of Man. That's him, the Son of Man, coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. What I say to you, I say to everyone, Jesus says, watch, watch, be ready, be ready for that Time when I come again. And he describes some of the signs of that second coming. At that time, there will be war and famine and earthquakes. All nations will have heard the good news. Christians will be persecuted. They will be hated because of their devotion to Christ. There will be the breakdown of the family. Siblings will fight with each other. Parents and children will be against each other. And we might look around and say, wow, I see, I see a lot of that. I don't see it all, not all Nations, not all tribes have yet heard the good news, but the vast majority have. But he says, don't, don't think if somebody comes along and says, I've got the answers to how this is going to go down, don't be tricked by that. He says, no one knows when it will occur. This is my pastoral warning to you. If somebody comes and says, I've got a chart, and it explains exactly how Jesus is going to come back, and it's got it all in order, I'm just telling you, if they've got the time and the date and everything, they're wrong. It's like automatic that they're wrong, because nobody knows. Only the Father, not even the angels, not even Jesus himself. And so he says, I encourage you to not try to know it because think about this. Why do we try to find out that kind of information? What, what are we searching for? We're for, searching for information. And what does the information give us? It gives us power. See, if I know when the exact time Jesus is coming back, then I have power over other people. I, I might try to say, well, I can live my life the way I want, and then he's coming back here, and I better get it right. Or what, We want that power. But Jesus says that power is not important you don't need that. You just need to know to watch and be prepared. And he tells a little story about some servants. The master goes away, and the servants, you know, are, are in charge of the house. And the master says, I'll be back sometime, but you guys just take control, you know. Uh, don't do anything crazy. And the master leaves, and they are like, party. This is it. We are going to have a great time. We're gonna, and then the master comes back. And they're all partying instead of doing what they ought to be doing. Jesus says, watch, don't be like those foolish servants. He says, you should be ready. And we say, well, how do I get ready? What do I do? Well, that brings us now to the third element of Jesus, the promise. Jesus was the promise of the past, which was fulfilled when he came. And Jesus is the promise of the future, when he will come again. But Jesus is also the promise of the present, the promise That he will come into our lives right now. And this is where Mark chapter 1 gets really relevant. John the Baptist is out there in the desert doing his scruffy thing. He's calling lots of attention to some very prickly issues. Those issues happen to be the sin that is in people's lives. His message is, as I said before, a call to repentance of sins, an offering of forgiveness, and the new life that comes with that, and a promise that the future will bring a person who is coming, who's coming very shortly, and who's going to bring power. Power not just uh, comes from the new life, but power of the Holy Spirit in dwelling Christians. I'm amazed. I'm amazed how often we as Christians, if you're a Christian, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is within you. And yet we walk around with the Spirit of God in us, but we walk around in fear. We walk around focused on things which are just so trivial. We walk around not realizing we could pray for this person. We could ask the Lord to move. The power of God is amazing through the, the Holy Spirit. He lives in us as Christians Jesus is the coming, the the, the promise who is here in the present right now. He will show up and transform our lives, but friends, he will only do it. He will only do it on his terms, not on our terms. If you're anything like me, you're like, I'd love for you, Jesus, to come in and transform my life in all the ways that I would like to tell you to do it, and in none of the ways that I'm sensing you're calling me to do it. Because I like to have control over my life, but that's not what's always wise. In fact, every time I or you or anybody says, God, I have a better idea here. I have a good idea about how to live my life. I'm sensing that you're asking me to do this, or I just read in the Bible I'm supposed to abstain from this, or I'm supposed to do this, and I'm like, ah, it seems like it's really cramping my style. I'd rather not do that. What you're really saying is, God, I know better how to live my life than you know, and when you think about that, that's crazy that's crazy. Now, I, I was just at this um, family reunion for Thanksgiving, and I got to witness something that some of you folks who have young children, you might experience this more often than I do right now. My kids are all teenagers, but I got to witness this little second i don 't know what he is he's like a second cousin three times removed or. Anyway, he's like five years old, okay, and it's time to go to bed. And so he's like, I don't want to go to bed, okay, you know, and and dad picks him up, and he's struggling, you know, and he's crying, I don't want to go to bed, and ten minutes after he's in bed, and then he wakes up the next morning, and it's happy, happy time. And it's so wonderful. And guess what? He didn't want to go to bed, but when he did, it was good for him, and he needed it. And somehow, I don't know how, his parents knew that. And they knew that if he got enough sleep, he'd be happy the next day. And that's just the way it is with us and God. God, I don't want to do that. That sounds so ugh. that is not what I want to do. I don't want to do that, God. But, you know, when we give in and we let God work in our lives, it changes us. We wake up the next day and go, oh, why haven't I do this before? This is awesome. I, I reached out to that person. I thought it would be so horrible. It's, they're in my life. This is great. I, I just I gave up My demands. I had demands. I gave them up. God is teaching me each day. It's better his way. That's how Jesus transforms our lives in the here and now. The promise which is made fulfilled in the present. Well, here's what you need to know. And this is such good news. God has a plan. God has a plan for this world. It's a healing plan. It's a holistic plan. It's a plan of reconciliation. And from, it's a plan that came from the past and is alive in the present and reaches out to the future. And Jesus is the key to that plan. And if anybody walks up to you and says, I've got the answer, and it doesn't involve anything to do with Jesus, or Jesus is just kind of like a little side part of it, then you are not talking to a person who has the answer. You're talking to a person who doesn't know the fullness of the gospel. Because Jesus is the key to the gospel. He comes and meets a need that we all have that need for reconciliation, reconciliation with God, that forgiveness that in the pit of your stomach you know you need because you can think back about the things that you regret, the things that you feel guilt about, guilty about. And, and you know what? Some of you may say, I, I'm free of all that. And I believe that because I'm free of that stuff too. Because God has taken that away because we surrendered it and said, it was wrong. We need to be reconciled with you, God. Please, I can't do it on myself. I've tried so many times on my own. But Jesus, come and do that work in my life. And we've experienced that freedom, that burden lifted off our shoulders. That hope and that joy that comes again from knowing that we are not trapped in the old ways. That's reconciliation with God. Every human being needs it. And reconciliation with others, making it right with those folks that we've burned our bridges with. You You know that, even in small ways. Sometimes, you know, we haven't burned the whole bridge, but we've kind of like torched a side of it, you know, just to let them know, you know, that we're not always that happy. We burn bridges, and God can bring healing there. And reconciliation, even reconciliation with ourselves, quitting trying to run our own lives and continually messing it up. Because we all have our issues, we all need to be freed from. We have this wonderful need to connect to the real purpose of our lives. And God can help us do that. This is one of the things Jesus pouring his life into our lives gives us a connection to that reality. There's more to life than the rat race. There's more to life than just getting up and going to work and falling exhausted into bed each night. Having ticked off part of the to-do list but always having more waiting out there. Our lives have a purpose of bringing hope into the world. It is the purpose of our lives to go into the world and say, welcome, welcome to life, welcome to hope, welcome to what God offers each one of us. Paul says we are all called to be ambassadors, ambassadors for God, bringing hope into this world. And doesn't our world need to be healed? Wow. Wow in such a great way. And Jesus' plan, Jesus' activity can heal the world. It can heal the divisiveness that is experienced within our country right now, between political parties, between races, between genders. It can heal the quarreling and the fighting factions which exists across the world. It can heal the hatred and the evil which are being perpetrated in the lives of innocent people even as we speak this morning. It can heal the drug, drug epidemic which is sweeping our nation, which is affecting us right here in Jamestown in this area. It, it can heal even those folks who have been shot recently in our own local context here in Jamestown. Jesus' plan can bring healing even in our own lives, even in our families even in our own brokenness. So here's what we need to do. First of all, we start with ourselves. That sounds a little selfish, but it's not. It's just like when you're sitting on an airplane and they say, when the oxygen masks fall, don't put it on the kid next to you. Put it on yourself first. Why? Because you don't want to be overcome by fumes trying to help somebody else. Put the oxygen on you first, and then you will be able to help others. Friends, if we, if we ask the Lord and do the work with the Lord uh, first with ourselves, then we are empowered to go out by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, to do the work that God calls us to do in the world. So we are to welcome Jesus into our lives. Wow, how sad would it be to go through our whole Christmas preparations and forget to welcome Jesus into our lives this Advent and this Christmas. And what does it mean to welcome Jesus into our lives? Well, it means exactly what John the Baptist told us to do, to get real, to get honest, to repent of our sin, to be forgiven, to find the new life, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, to apply it all and find the life that Jesus brings, to quit making our own demands of God about how we want to live. God, I'll submit to you, but only under these conditions. But instead, to begin to submit to his demands and his conditions, that we would be fully honest about ourselves, that we would not have any back rooms or attics or cellars or closets or any place in our life that we say, well, I haven't really invited Christ into that part of my life yet. That we would be people who Say, all of me, Lord. You get all of me. And as well, that we would be ready for Jesus to come again. Second Peter 3 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some have understood slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But hear this, But the day of the Lord will Come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So Romans 13, 11 says, The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is now nearer than when you first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. 2 Corinthians 6 says, Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. My honest question to you, my honest question to you is, Are you ready for Jesus to come back today? Are you saying to yourself, "Eh, I'll turn my life over at another time? I want to just kind of do my own thing for a while. But I don't have to worry about that Jesus coming back stuff. Are you ready today? Where are you with Christ? And friends, when we do welcome Christ into our lives, he does empower us to reach out to the world and we get to be those ambassadors of welcome and hope to this world. It is so wonderful to bring people into the light who have been in the darkness. It is truly a wonderful thing to see somebody's life get transformed. Frankly, most people won't believe us. They won't believe us until they start to sense that what we have to share with them, we're doing so because we actually care about them. If we actually do care, like I really care about your life and I hope that it's better and I want you to know that it can be better, then slowly over time as we build trust with them, they will begin to see, ah, this person really does care about me. And look at them. Their life isn't perfect by any means, but they, they do have this joy that I can't explain. And they keep talking about Jesus. And they are loving me. And so in time, people become more and more open to hearing the good news, the gospel. We want to serve the world because we love the world, we love the people of the world, and because we want them to know the good news as well. Well, it's an interesting thing about welcoming. It's something that we can do for others, but it's also something that can be offered to us. I think about turning it around. What if Jesus is welcoming us this morning, welcoming us to respond to the promise that he offers, welcoming us to enter into the promise that he offers us here and now today? Would you like to be a part of that? What if part of the promise is an open invitation to anyone who will listen Anyone is welcomed into the promise. Friends, what better day than the first day of the Christian year, the darkness about to explode into light, the moment when we say, how am I really doing with God? What better day to either start a new relationship with God or renew an existing one? I'm gonna ask Brandon to, come up here and play a song. We're just going to spend about three, four minutes. He's just going to play this song. We're going to have the opportunity to respond. I just want to give you the chance to do some business with God. This isn't you and God making deals. This is God's spirit working in you all throughout this talk saying, yeah, you know what that is. You know what that is. And giving you the chance to respond. And I really want you to know the altar is open. I'm going to go right down to the altar and talk to the Lord. Because it's always good to renew and and be right with the Lord in every possible way. I encourage you to come and join me. Or if you're not doing that, to be in your seat and to talk to the Lord. This is going to be a quiet time. A time for you and God to do some work together. Come hear that invitation, Jesus says, welcome, welcome, welcome into my life. Come today and receive that.
1: Come out of sadness
0: from wherever you are.
1: No sorrow Heaven can't heal Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't cure So lay down your back in her be still earth has no sorrow heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow heaven
0: can't heal friends we're doing important work here today we're talking with the Lord and he's responding in our lives God is here and God is at work. And you may have sensed him in your seat, or you may have sensed him down here at the altar. Where, however, that has worked, the presence of the Lord is real. And so I send you today, not in your own power, but in the power of God, sent out into this world to be welcomers, welcomers into the joy that you know that is available so go with grace and joy and welcome everyone into the hope